Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Okay, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are you doing? Uh, whatever you are, walking the beach, you're walking across a lovely vista now, a lovely sunshine vista with your beach, with your dog there, walking across the beach, or you're in the park, or whatever you're doing, in the car, maybe driving from one place to another. Uh, thank you for downloading this and having a little chat with us. Um, and of course, all the other Blood Red uh, Umbrella podcasts as well, including Ali de Rouge, of course. Uh, Pete and the lads, uh, and all the blood red analysis ones as well. They're all really worth a listen. Okay, let's get cracking then. Liverpool, three wins back to back to back. Um, strangely, sort of new territory for us, isn't it? Because it's been that kind of season. Uh, let's get the conversation going. I'm I'm joined by um, Edward Kay. How are you, Ed? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, mate. Like I say, three wins on the bounce. We're uh, sort of managing to find our feet a little bit, albeit a bit too little, too late. Well, too little, too late is better than sod all for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm also joined by Richie Garnett. How are you, Rich? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, feeling a little bit more positive about things on the pitch at the moment. Um, I, I, I'm one of those who likes to um, play it down by saying you've got no chance of achieving your uh, your ambitious goal and then start looking at the permutations and go, well, actually, um, still a bit of a long shot, isn't it? But... Um, yeah, at least we're still in the conversation, and that, that's quite typical of Liverpool, isn't it? Well, Liverpool are no stranger to a long shot, are they? Let's be honest with you, we've done it before. And it's just so nice to see you, Richie, with a nice, fully-fledged beard there. Joe Rimmer tries to grow one. It tends to look like, you know, a potato that you've left in the cupboard for too long? <laughs> a King Edward, or a... Yeah, well, certainly not a King Edward. He's more of a Maris Piper, isn't he? Oh, but, Piper. you know, just to get them little hairs at the bottom, don't they? And that's that's more of a Rimmer beard. But that there, there that, that that's looking good, that, my friend. Thanks, mate. I know the, the audio viewers won't be able to see that, but it was trimmed yesterday by my local barber, who won't name for uh, commercial purposes. Trimmed uh, by a time, so he... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, but Joe, Joe's having a go. You know, he, he's yeah. getting there. So um, he, he's, you know, he's in the still in the early stages of parenthood. I think once he's got a few more years under his belt, he'll uh, that will be uh, growing out nicely. Oh yeah, yeah. He's probably he's, he's probably prioritising beards behind sleep. Um, so I understand that. So more about Liverpool Football Club. That's why we're here to talk about the Reds. Um, and uh, Ed, it's funny, isn't it? We, we, we've we've had that sort of whole. You know, three quarters of the season. Well, it's near the end now. Isn't it? It's most of the season, 60%, 70% of the season. Where the Liverpool team have just languished and been a little bit, you know, slow to react, slow to pass the ball. And seem to have, they seem to have found the gears again, Ed. They seem to have found a, a, a speed and, a, a, and an enthusiasm. And dare I say the word intensity that they haven't had all season. Um, is that players coming back to form at the right time? Is it positional play slightly changing and them adapting to that? What do you think is the key to this uh, this sort of mini comeback, if you like, for Liverpool and certainly putting us back on track and 
and back for a more respectable position in the league. Well, it's an interesting one, really, because it, it's tempting to say Granite Xhaka pushing, pushing Trent in the first half of that uh, Liverpool-Arsenal game at Anfield, because ever since then, we've played you know an unbelievable second half against top-of-the-league Arsenal, and then we've won three games in a row. But I think not just players coming back into form, but players just generally coming back at the right time, I think, has been a, a big help. Obviously, Jota's come back. He didn't really didn't really hit the ground running his first few games back, but now he's sort of amongst the goals. Could have had a couple last night again, and that's that, that's just the sort of the signs you want to be seeing from Jota. Even if he's if he's not necessarily scoring like he did last night, that he's getting those chances because you know more often than not he is going to put them away like he was doing in the previous two games. I think Luis Diaz coming back as well. While he's not again not not hit the ground running as you'd expect after such a long time out, but that's just given us sort of a nice timely boost to the squad and to Jurgen Klopp's attacking options. And I, I, th I think where the main issues have been obviously defensive and Jurgen Klopp's spoken about how there's been sort of a, a bit of an uptick in defensive intensity over the last few games. I do think in attack seems to be a lot of where the positives are stemming from with him having so many options. You know, Gakpo's really, really performing uh, this season, since he's come in, he's, he, he, another one didn't didn't really hit the ground running like like Diaz did when he came in in January last season. But he's really finding his feet now. That was a great goal last night, and I just think the sort of plethora of attacking options he's he's got available to him now has got to be a real boost for Jurgen Klopp. It's got to be a real boost for everybody else around the squad, and he seems to have sort of found a little trick with moving Trent into midfield that's that's worked for the last few games. It's given Liverpool that extra edge, and yeah, they've. They've won three in a row now and they sort of, I wouldn't say anywhere near looking back to their best, but at least managing to finally find a bit of form this season. Yeah, absolutely right. And and you, you've, we'll, we'll talk about formation and stuff a bit later on, but you, um, Cody Gappa has been a, a fantastic signing, um, hasn't he, Rich? He's, he, he's, he's got strength on the ball. He's very, very skillful. He's he's deceivingly quick because he looks like he's labouring with it, and yet he's he's got he's galloping up the pace there. And, he, and because it's so difficult to get the ball off him, he's such a uh, he's such a brilliant player to have. But we have to have we have to have a little nod of the cap to Curtis Jones, don't we? I mean, here's a young lad who's sort of skirted round the outside of of of, of fame in this club and and and, and getting a position holding it down. And he's he's never quite been. I think probably one of his main criticisms, Richard, would, would have been that he was too easy to knock off the ball but he seems to have injected a little bit of pace into that midfield now mate and and, and, and allowed the transitions up front to go he, he gets into them little spaces doesn't he between mid, mid their defence and our, and our forwards seems to be an attack on threat but he's working really really well in that midfield with Gakpo and Co, isn't he? Well if we start with Jones I think obviously he would benefit in front of run, run of games in the side which is something he's not really been able to uh, establish for for a, quite a while now. And I think he's, as he started the last three and probably looked more comfortable with each game that's, that's progressed on. Um, and he is, he's, we kind of, that midfield's been an issue all season, hasn't it? Um, and even just by having a fresh face in there, has brought something a little bit different, or someone who's quite happy to hold on to the ball in tight spaces and and and, and stop Liverpool from turning the ball over so so freely. I, I do think he holds on to the ball a bit, a little bit too long in 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 situations, and 
I don't know. It's difficult for me to say, but maybe that could be just a confidence thing. If you've been playing 10 games on the run, you're, you're happy to to sort of keep keep a move flowing or, or, or spot something that you might not have spotted initially. Um, so that's, that's certainly something that I think will probably need to be uh, improved upon. But I, I'm, I'm pleased for him because no one wants to be kicking their heels on the sidelines or not playing football. And, and we're going to come into a uh, bit of a crunch stage uh, in the summer where uh, you're probably going to see a lot of midfielders leave the club and, and, and new ones join. Obviously, Jones has got the advantage of being a homegrown player, so he wouldn't necessarily be one of those that, that could exit. But it, but if if Klopp decided that he you know he, he wasn't going to get any more out of him, he, he, he could sell him, couldn't he, if he wanted to, uh, and raise money. But I think Jones is, is making a... You know, He's certainly at the moment he's making a sufficient argument as to say, yeah, there's no need for you to do that. I can be a you know an important part, important part of this midfield. But just on uh, uh, Gakpo as well, he's an, he was one that when he first came in, I thought, oh, blimey, looks a bit all arms and legs, didn't you know? Was, what have we got here? I was thinking after about uh, two or three matches, but he, he has literally. Just just took a few games just to settle into a new league, I think, and and and, and pretty soon after that, we started to see his quality. Big touch, a uh, good touch for a big man, as they say. Um, yeah, and he's you know he's, he's coming. We're talking about him as a replacement for Bobby Firmino, who's who's of a very different build to him, but but still share quite similar qualities. But what what, what I've seen now, certainly now for quite a sustained run of games, is, is Gap Club's got. A high level of technical ability. He's a very intelligent footballer. Um, he brings other people into the game, and and he can score goals as well. And I think he's going to score more goals. And and it's no, um, it's no question over why he's starting ahead of Darwin Nunes. It's because he deserves to. He, you've got a bit of a, you've got a number of options up front there. It's not like he's only got three strikers to pick from. It's what which order he's going to put them in. He, I think he's put. Um, Gakpo down the middle there with Nunes having to buy this time because he's basically Klopp's been able to get his instructions over to 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 Gakpo more uh, effectively and and he's putting them into practice and yeah these he's given the other players around him plenty to think about because if he carries on his ears he won't be going anywhere other team. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. No, absolutely. He fits in lovely to that Bobby Roll, doesn't he? Just in the middle there with with um, with, with Jotter and Salary the side. And he switched. I noticed in the second half of the Arsenal game, he switched in the first half. He was switching sides with Salah, which was great. In fact, it was against Leeds. And it created a lot of space. He didn't really know what to do. And then that created them openings that Salah could exploit, which he hasn't had for a while because he normally he normally takes three with him, doesn't he? So um it, 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 that, that indeed, man, let's face it, Richie, we've only got room for one gangly player on this side, and it's Joel Massa. <laughs> he looks like a, Bambi on ice comes to come, comes to mind, doesn't it? But uh, well, what a thumping header though! Um, well, he, he um, you know he, he had a couple of bit of a rough ride in recent weeks, and then obviously he, he's only come back in because of the injury to Canate. But he's took his he took his chance, uh, and then some last week. I think Carragher gave him man of the match, didn't he? On uh, on um, what was it Carragher? Sorry. Well, anyway, he got man of the match on BT Sports, um, and thoroughly really deserved it. I thought because he, you know he dealt he dealt well 
with um, West Ham at the other end of the park and, and, he, and he looked comfortable and, he, and he's come up with a goal as well. So, good on him. And I also loved those. He was very embarrassed about the, 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 the man of the match and wanted to hand it immediately to Cody Gakpo, which was lovely to see as well, a bit of humility there, isn't it? Well, to be fair, have you seen it? It looks like he'd won like um, kind of talcum powder or something. Whatever happened to my nice bottle of bubbly? I don't know what the bo- I don't know what's happened with the bubble. I I, I thought it was one of the things you pull the bottom and a load of streams fired up the top. <laughs> the streamer cannons that you can't that you look down and then they go off in your face. Don't do that. Silly string or something. Yeah, there was <laughs> some no doubt somebody's written in and said we can't be showing alcohol on TV. Um, <laughs> try these. Um, a, a great ed- and isn't it nice as well there uh, Ed to uh, to see uh, two goals for Liverpool and two assists, one for Robinson. And one for uh, Trent. I mean, uh, they keep assisting, but it's nice to see them both on the on on the uh, on the stats there, isn't it? Feels like uh, getting back into old ways because his 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 corner deliveries were outstanding, and and of course the pass to Gakpo uh, was when Trent was in that in that mid midfield position. So we'll talk about that now, though, Ed, because that if there was one weakness last last night and uh, one that West Ham were desperately trying to exploit, uh, it was that it was that right side when Trent comes in. And this has been a problem all season, hasn't it? When Trent has, has wandered in, he's, he's wandered in for quite a while now. But he wanders in, and the problem is then either one of your of, of your centre backs, whether it was Canate or last night Matip, is having to cover that right side position, and it leaves us very, very exposed, doesn't it? But Trent is so good, and we'll ask both of you this, Rich, is, uh, and I'll ask Ed as well first. Trent is so good and effective, and it seems to be lifting his his form as well. That you can see that that would be something that that, that that works in future. It's a very clever sort of inverted midfield, inverted right back, whatever you want to call it. The problem is, do we get? It's the it's the question that's got a lot of Liverpool fans are going to be asking this season. Do we get a right back, a genuine right back? And I don't mean Calvin Ramsey because he's a kid, and I know he's a good player. There's no doubt about that. But whether he can just slot into the into the demands of a Premiership uh, uh, and European football, if and when we get it. Um, but do we get a right back that can hit the ground running? Do we get a Tamiskus type right back who is as good uh, a replacement as you can get for Robbo, certainly on that right hand side? Or do we try and train our ways through through to doing this three at the back, making up for it? Because it makes it there's no doubt it exposes us. Right now, I, I want to say stick with with what they're going at the moment, and you know, sort of start Trent in that right back role. And then sort of see him drift into the midfield. I, th- I think it has it has worked pretty well over the last few games. What I would like to see is, I, d- I don't think that that system has been designed with Joel Matip playing in mind. I'd quite like to see Canate come back in again, see just how well he can cover for Trent over the last few games of the season. Let's see how we play with this system. You know, by the end of the season, I might I might change my tune and be saying we need to go out and get a right back and be pushing Trent into that that midfield three. But for, for now, I think the system's working well. It's it, it's something a little bit different. People are clearly struggling a little bit, have, haven't quite figured it out yet. And, and Trent's been at his, his most creative. Obviously, as, as you mentioned, him and Robertson getting the assist yesterday. I think it was, it was about halfway through the season before Trent actually got his first assist this season. He's not really been up there racking up the numbers like he normally does. But getting him... I think getting him on the ball in that mid in that midfield where he can really sort of create. I think Carragher showed it on Monday Night Football, sort of the right hand side uh, of the opponent's half. You know, sort of that 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 third going towards the halfway line. That's where you really want him causing causing problems, and this system sort of allows him to do that. So I think as long as we're not getting 
like you say, we are a bit exposed defensively and it does expose the likes of Matip, who doesn't have Canate's pace or quite so much of his strength to to recover for Trent in that position. It's 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 going to be an interesting one to sort of see how it, how it pans out for the rest of the season. And I think he'll sort of base, base, base what Klopp's plan is going into the summer. I, th- I think he'll probably base it off what happens over the next is it six odd games or so. See if the system does work, where it needs tweaking, and then yeah, go into the summer with an idea of whether they they are going to need a right back or not. See, the thing is for me, Rich. Cheers for that. Ed. The thing is for me, Rich, is that against against teams like West Ham, who, who were clearly just pinging it right to left to, to, from their half just to try and because they knew that that the gaping hole was there. And yes, Matip covered, but there were chances there, many, many chances that they got hold of on, on that right hand side, and they just couldn't. They just couldn't uh, do anything with it. Better clubs will. My problem with it, obviously, we're reaping the rewards of Trent further forward, but I think maybe he needs to define the system a little bit better uh, and maybe get a left a midfielder who's playing in that midfield at the time to drop back as well, to drop back while Trent goes forward, if you like, to maybe offer him a back ball, but also just to cover that left-to-right space with uh, a Canate. So you've got a couple of players there because I just feel... Because Canate, for his speed and pace, can be a little bit uh, wrong-footed at times, Rich, and uh, and he's still learning his craft as well. He's a great player, no doubt about it. But I just feel that that leaves such a gaping hole that against the real top sides, they'll figure that out very, very quickly and, and, and overrun us. Well, first off, credit to the manager for trying something different because until he did that, um, we weren't really going anywhere, were we, this season? We, you know, he's, he's, I think he even said himself that we've tried a number of different things that just haven't worked. So there was there was a necessity to to mix it up, and that that's that's a sign of a good manager who is prepared to be flexible if he can see that the things aren't aren't working right. And and it, it, it's certainly been uh, interesting and effective in terms of Alexander Arnold. But but I, I am of the same mindset as you Fitzy have written about that in the in the last week. Um I don't see this as any sort of long term strategy for me. What it's shown is what a job Alexander Arnold can do in midfield and there's been calls for him to be midfield in, in the past and um now we're getting he's getting a bit of a dress rehearsal here, so to speak, I think. Um I, I think it does leave us exposed at the back. And you, you, if you're playing against a team that's going to just going to defend its 18 yard box for 90 minutes, you can get away with it. But as soon as you come up against anyone who's a bit savvy, imagine imagine trying that against Brighton. Um, who you know a team who on paper you expect to beat, but we we, we know better than that these days. Uh, they have someone like Matoma. You can just knock that into the space and he's just going to kill you, isn't it? Even if you've got someone covering that space or coming over and saying, right, well, Trent's up here doing tricks, you need to be covering that space for him. Anyone of a decent quality um, is going to kill you, really. And even if it's not, even if it's not Canati, or sorry, rather, even if it is Canati, you're still asking him to do uh, a job where he's exposed. I mean, the goal, the goal they conceded last night was avoidable but it was good good football by West Ham first and foremost but they, they got themselves into one sort of one-on-one situations and played the way past Henderson played the way past Fabino uh, and away and, and we're, so we're not getting that right so we're asking 
we're asking the centre back to come over when when you've got yards, acres of space being uh, exposed when Liverpool are caught too high up the pitch. So I, I just don't see it. that only needs to go wrong a couple of times for people to be jumping all over it and saying, you know, what the hell are we doing? We're just not we're just not defensively solid enough. And as you know, in, over the course of a 38 game season, you can't win nothing unless you're watertight at the back. You've got to have a, a, an absolutely on point defence to win anything over that sort of period of time. You might you might win a cup, but you certainly won't win a league. Um, so we, we need stability at the back at all times. And for me, that means signing a new right back. And because and it's not to get rid of Trent, it's very much to, to to get him into that midfield and 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 on, unleash that incredible sort of unique talent that he's got that you know not many players can can hold a candle to. But uh, I saw Carl Ramsey against Derby County at close quarters. I've seen videos of him playing superbly for Aberdeen. He looked very nervous against Derby. It was his home debut. Um, and it would be very unfair just to chuck a player like that in a deep end and say, right, you're replacing Trent Alexander-Arnold, off you go. It, 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 that's a player who needs time uh, and then minutes on the pitch when it's safe to sort of develop him. I think we can go out and get a get a a, a time-served full-back who, who can just do the job that's required of him and, and push Trent into that elevated position. And, and for me, that would be the way to go as a member of the uh, the Rob Jones fan club. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yeah, but it's be all over a bit of trigger. Yeah, no, you want a fully time-saved City and Guilds card-carrying right back. Um, and also a midfielder as well. That's that, that's what I've heard a lot of Liverpool fans saying lately. If Trent goes into midfield, that just means they won't buy a midfielder. We definitely, definitely need that box-to-box kind of engine midfielder. There's no doubt about that. I have noticed lately as well. I mean, what do you think yourself, Ed? I, I've, I've, I've looked at Verge and thought, at times I see a player who hasn't had a chance to recover properly yet. He hasn't had a chance to, to get over the injuries he's had. He's, you know, he, 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 there's, there's a whole rut of goals that we've we, we've conceded this season that have been edge of box slammed in and, and not being closed down. Uh, Gibbs White did it the other day uh, for Forrest uh, with that ridiculous kind of ball that comes out. And he, I know it took a double deflection, but still he had, I think, um, Richie just tapped on it there, really. Just not closing down, not closing down that second ball. So there's still areas there, aren't there, where it looks like there's a little bit of fatigue or a little bit of lack of, uh, lack of speed of thought, if you like, to try and close it down. I certainly think that uh, Fabinho is 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 uh, is finding form again. I think because of what we'd said earlier with, with other midfielders, giving them a chance to stay on the ball a little bit rather than being pressed off it quite quickly. But there still seems to be something about Verge. Do you not think Ed, that he's not quite every now and again you see him, he's blowing. You just think that you know he he needs a rest, doesn't he? I think. Yeah, I, I don't think the end of the season can come quick enough for him. To be honest, I think. Don't get me wrong. He's he's definitely not. As you know, imperious as he was before, and it, it, there has been a bit of a drop off in form, but I don't really think the drop off in form has been that severe. You know, a, a six out of ten from Van Dijk is as good as an eight out of ten from any other centre back in, in the world for me. And I, th- I think the biggest thing with Van Dijk that people are sort of saying he's dropped off is he's lost that aura around him. He, he used to, he used to have genuine. Uh, 
it's a bit of a silly comparison because nobody quite has Michael Jordan's aura, but he genuinely had a bit of something like that about him. People were, he would rock up at, at an away ground and people were scared of him. We, you know, we, we put out videos on the Blood Red channel of um, him just sort of walking around Anfield before the game, sort of prowling almost. And it, it just looks like a lion in his den, you know. He was he was the absolute king and he suffered a really, really poor injury, after which I thought he pretty much got back to his best. But he's just sort of, that aura's disappeared a bit. People aren't afraid to run at him, you know. He doesn't have the, the unbeaten record at Anfield anymore. He doesn't have the record of not having been dribbled past anymore. And these are all quite arbitrary things, but I think it all adds up in, in people's minds, this drop-off might be a bit bigger than they they think it has been, and look, I, I I don't really think there's there's any issues there. We'll we'll see next season after a after a long rest if he can sort of get back to to where he has been. But I, I still think he's easily one of the best centre backs around, and Liverpool should definitely still be aiming to sort of gear their team around him for next season. And as for Fabinho, I think his performances next season will go a long way to showing how far Liverpool are going to go next season. You know, if they only go out and get two midfielders, if they go out and get three midfielders, they won't rely on Fabinho so much. But if they only go out and get two midfielders or one and move Trent into midfield, Fabinho is going to be relied upon again massively. And Jurgen Klopp and FSG are probably taking a bit of a chance and guessing and hoping that he can go again and sort of find his his feet again. Because the drop-off this season has been so severe that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking maybe it's time to move on in the summer. But I think, you know, give him another season, see if he can find his feet again. And if him and Virgil van Dijk get anything back to anywhere near the form they had last season, then Liverpool are going to be, you know, raring to go next season. Well, again, we, we, we you can't underestimate Richard. We've said this before, but, but, but I think 65 games played last season, all in all, every single possible game that could be played in a, in a calendar season was played by Liverpool. And, and Hendo and Fab, I think, played 59 of them or something ridiculous like that. I mean, you've got, there's no wonder. And then, of course, we start the league with every single team with the blueprint Liverpool lad, just tear ass and right at the ball, five of them. And then, you've, you know, that's what that's what people were doing to sort of unhinge. That's what you do to unhinge any team, isn't it? You run at them like a lunatic. It's like the Celtic berserkers, isn't it? You run at them screaming and... And they suddenly panic and run, um, and that's what that it's it's sustaining it for ninety minutes. Which you think Arsenal uh, are proven up to this point that you you just that it just shows you the fitness levels Liverpool were operating at um, because not only did they take City on, they left them for dust, and, and Arsenal have been running out of steam for I don't know the last six games now I think, um, and it's been perfectly underlined. So you know Fab. Is, was well within his rights to get a little bit of uh, heavy legs, wasn't he? Let's be honest with you. But I think Verge, I think Verge, I mean, he tore an ACL, he was out for a season, and then he comes back, and then he had an injury, don't forget, at the beginning of this season. Um, so I think with him, I think we are going to see, I think he is going to be some back to, to his um, imperious best mates. I think I think when, when the season's over, and I think he has a good rest, um, I think we are going to see uh, something back, back to the to the levels that he was at, Rich. I just think that he's... He's playing on, on uh, as Ed said, he just can't wait for that last game, I think, so he can try and reset. Yeah, I think the key thing with this is, what does Liverpool look like without Virgil van Dijk? Not not fantastic from, from what I've seen um, this season or even in the previous seasons when he, when he, was, uh, when he was out. 
he's still vital to this Liverpool side, isn't he? A senior player with an aura about him, a great defender. He might not be able to uh, reach the same dominant heights that he was previously, but we shouldn't understate his importance to the side. And until we've got another centre-back that can replicate that or say, I, I'm here to take um, Virgil van Dijk's role in this side, he's always going to be a starter. The, the, the other, the other centre-backs, uh, 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 even the more experienced ones, are, are, are still yet to be able to demonstrate that level of authority and leadership that you need to hold together um, a Premier League defensive back four at the top end of the table. So that that is uh, a comfort for Van Dijk, at least, and I think he probably knows that. But at the same time, if his levels were to drop off, too much then like any player you're only as good as your last game aren't you and you, you, you can be replaced and it's the same with Fabinho isn't it who's, who's let's be honest has had a poor season looked a little bit better in recent weeks um but yeah he's again just just not been at, at those levels that he was and I guess last season we can all see it now he played as many games as you can possibly play and, and ended up didn't end up empty-handed, but it might have felt like that at the end of the season because obviously those cup, those cup wins have come and gone by the time you're uh, chasing down the league title uh, and the and the Champions League, and, and missing out on both of them would would have been a massive blow after the amount of effort that's been exerted, and uh, we just haven't been able to deal with that. So the, this this Liverpool team, as we know it, is breaking up. Let's let's be under no illusions. They, they need to in order to compete. At the very top end, it's all—it's one thing winning three games on the run and getting yourself back in the picture for Champions League qualification. But but if the real goal here is to is to challenge for the title, then then things do need to change, and we're going to see a lot of changes in the summer. I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, but but Virgil Van Dijk will still be at the heart of it. And Fabinho um, could, but I do wonder if he possibly might be one of the names that's sacrificed in this um, Jurgen Klopp revolution. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We got Harvey Elliott and Carvalho, who seems to have completely fallen out of form. Ed. I don't know whether there's been some words said backstage behind the curtain there, but um, Carvalho is um, wearing the heavy coat, and he? he just sits there in the heavy coat with a little head popping out of it, wondering what went wrong. Uh, we don't really know what happened there, but they are going to farm him out at some point, I think. Um, Harvey Elliott seemingly has sort of, I don't know whether it's an injury he sustained or whether or not he just isn't fitting into the jigsaw puzzle at the moment, but we we know he's a good we know he's a good player, don't we? And we certainly know things are going to change yet because we had one particular uh, guest, I would say fan, I'd like to think he is, uh, but certainly guest at last night's match that hasn't been there for almost 12 months and that was John Henry. He was he was in the crowd to watch a game live and in person. Um, I think Ryan Reynolds has been to more football matches over here than he has. Um, but anyway, he was here and um, uh, and uh, let's hope he didn't come down after the match and go, see, easy, 2-1, what are you moaning about? Um, because obviously there's a conversation to be had there with Mr Klopp. Uh, Klopp's already said that he's had a conversation with him before. He certainly had a conversation with him last night. There is some major retinkering uh, to be done, isn't it, Ed? Yeah, I, I was trying to get a look at his suit just to see how deep his pockets are looking for the summer, actually. But... Um... It's, I mean, they, they mustn't. They must know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see just how much of a sort of transfer coffer they, they do give him because he he needs a bit of a war chest, really, doesn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, 
they're clearly not going to give him the funds to go out and get Bellingham plus whoever else he wants. So how much he's actually going to get given is going to be interesting. But I want to go back to what, just what you were saying about, obviously, Carvalho, I think, looks destined for a loan next season. I'd be amazed if that's not what happens. But I'm not really sure what's going on with Harvey Elliott at the moment. Like you said, I think it might just be that tactically he doesn't really fit this this new system with what they're trying with Trent because Klopp in his press conference the, the other day was saying there's no issues with Harvey Elliott. He's training exceptionally well. He's just just not not get, making it into that that starting eleven at the moment. I don't I don't really see where he fits into that midfield three. If if this is what you're going to be doing with Trent and you're going to be leaving that that sort of right hand side to expose, you you can't play Harvey Elliott at right centre midfield there because we, we've seen them play Harvey Elliott at right centre mid this season with Trent playing normal right back and there still wasn't enough you know defensive help on that right hand side when he was there. Jordan Henderson's basically got to be playing right centre midfield if if they're going to be doing that or a similar sort of workhorse type player, not a Harvey Elliott. Not that he doesn't try defensively, but you look at the amount of jewels he wins per 90, it's so low. He's he's not really contributing that much. He's just sort of being a bit of a nuisance and running back. But look, I think Harvey Elliott, up until this sort of run of games, he'd he'd played in every game this season. He's he's got a future at Liverpool. There's There's no doubt in my mind, whether that's in the midfield or... I personally think he, his future might lie on the right of a front three. You know, he's spoken at length about how well him and Salah get on, and how Salah's always teaching him to do this, do that with his nutrition and things like that. And I, th- I think Liverpool have got a decent chance at getting a, a pretty decent Mo Salah replacement out of Harvey Elliott. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he develops next season, and if if we see him again this season, if Klopp's continuing to try out this system, maybe we do, maybe we don't. But I certainly wouldn't be worried about him going anywhere. But yeah, like you say, it's going to be a massive summer. John Henry's going to have to dip his dip his hands in his pockets a little bit. And obviously, he's not going to give Jürgen exactly what he wants in Jude Bellingham, but he, he certainly needs to give him a, a fair old amount of money to deal with the issues that have been pretty apparent this season. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, already we're we're getting it coming in, aren't we? Then Nicolo Barella, eighty-five million pound fee set to be tabled for the uh, Milan star. Uh, he's a great midfielder, no doubt about that. Um, it just seems that it seems odd, doesn't it, Rich? That you know they they balk at the offer for Bellingham and then will will knock down twenty million and buy someone else. It just seems a bit ridiculous to me. And, but I'm not a bank manager and I'm not a financial wizard, so I don't know how these things work, other than the fact that if ever someone was destined to spot on the Liverpool shirt, it's Jude Bellingham. I mean, if he, if it's, it's he's just a Liverpool player, and he's a, he's a Stephen Gerrard galloping, strong midfield dynamo, and uh, Barella wouldn't be a, a bad sign. And, and then there's always the, the, the spirits of, of Mason Mounts floating about the place. I mean... I'm not quite sure he dropped that acid trip, but it seems very, very strange. He's never seemed to be a player, Rich, and I thought, oh, I'd like to see him in a red shirt. It just seems like such an odd thing that's been that's been tabled, doesn't it? But it, it won't go away. Um, well, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a minute that prior to this podcast, I dropped an acid. But uh, I, I quite like Mason Mount. Honestly, mate, it's great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got my top off and whatnot, but, you know, uh, no, I... 
I liked him when he when he first broke in at Chelsea. I really liked the look of him, and I thought this guy looks like he's going to be around for a bit. He's got a bit of a dynamism about him, an eye for goal, goal scoring midfielder. Um, and I wasn't surprised to see him sort of work his way up to getting into the England squad. It's a bit of a weird situation because obviously the Chelsea's just a bit mad, isn't it? I mean, if anyone's dropped an acid into them, isn't it? Um, they've, they've gone bananas there, haven't they? This is. This is like this is like a full on ninety two inner field rave they're having at Chelsea, isn't he? With with Todd on the decks <laughs> and uh, just uh, spending his money as, uh, that's coming in as fast, you know. So putting it out as fast as it's coming in, basically. All I know is it's absolutely wonderful, Jeff. Well, you know, when the music stops at, at, at seven a.m. And, and the birds are tweeting, Todd's come off his decks there, and he's thought, "Oh, hang on, I've got about sixty players." Uh, and I've paid a fortune for at least eight of them, and I've got this homegrown player in Mason Mount, who's a, who's Chelsea through and through, and 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 come through the ranks as as a as a product of our excellent youth academy, and uh, I don't want to pay him a comparable amount to all these big uh, stars I've just snapped up from around Europe. So on one hand, you could say, oh, he just wants more money, and that's why he's forcing a move out of Chelsea. If you've been there since you were six and worked your way through and become a, bit a fan's favourite, and then you, you've seen other players come in, and not just one or two, loads of them uh, going on bigger money, I suppose it is going to put your uh, your nose out of joint if, you, if you're not being uh, held to the same uh, esteem as your peers. So it creates a bit of a, a unique situation that Liverpool could potentially capitalise on. And from everything I'm, I'm reading and hearing, I can't see... Mount a green a new contract at Chelsea, so he is going to be available. Um, now, I, I may never have imagined them coming to Liverpool um, even twelve months ago, but but it, it won't go away, will it? There's 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 no smoke without fire. There's definitely something in it, um, and I'll, you know, Harvey Elliott's uh, a very talented footballer. But Mason Mount is a more first-team established player in the Premier League, and and, it, and if he did come in, I think someone like uh, Elliot would, would would have a bit of a problem. To be honest with you, in terms of how how you're going to fit these players in, there's going to be changes. There's going to be difficult changes uh, in that midfield. I don't think the captain's place is safe by by any stretch of your imagination. Um, it just depends how ruthless Klopp wants to be in the summer. But I, I'm I'm not averse to uh, the signing of Mason Mount, even if I uh, remain clean and teetotal until uh, August in in terms of my uh, thoughts on the matter. Well, I don't know, mate. You sounded like you knew far too much about dropping tabs and wishing <laughs> <laughs> I'm no top onto the birds are singing at seven in the morning. You've done that. You've done the disgraceful cab home, haven't you? You've done that one sitting in the back of the cab about five in the morning and the cab driver's just laughing going, yeah, the bolt's on there. You're not getting in. I, I, I am I am a fan of electronic music, but um, only that I would like to uh, go on record as to say. Uh, just just enjoy the beat. A bit of, bit of craft work while you're playing chess. Exactly. Um, all right, well, let's look at the sharp end of the league then, Ed, shall we? Uh, let's look at the comparison of the games that Liverpool have got. Just just the league position at the moment, Liverpool in sixth position, up to sixth. They've um, gone past uh, Brighton and Tottenham. Tottenham, uh, we play, of course. On Sunday, uh, Villa above us, um, we play Villa as well, so it's interesting. So, we are at the moment, we are six points behind Newcastle, 
uh, and they've got a game in hand. Uh, it's Newcastle, really. Well, possibly United got two games in hand. Though. United with a very, very dodgy defence as well. And I'm talking about the ones that are right, not just the ones that have left it at the moment with injury, but certainly um, the big paving stone-headed um, £18 million wonder boy, um, Harry Maguire, who's, uh, who's while he's in there, we've got a chance, haven't we? Let's be honest uh, with him and Lindelof. Um, but is our our remaining games compared to the ones around us? April 30th, Tottenham Hotspur at home. That is Sunday. And then we've got Fulham at home. Remember Fulham at the start of the, what kind of Liverpool is this uh, in the season, wasn't it? When we had that first game against, I think they, they were our first game away, I think, uh, Fulham. And it was... One of them ones where we started thinking, oh, are we playing this at a slightly different speed? Um, May the 6th is Brentford. Uh, then they're, they're no easy clash either. They've, they've been very, very up and down, haven't they, in, uh, in the season. Then we've got Leicester fighting for their lives. Uh, of course, they got, a, they got a valuable draw against Leeds the other night. Uh, just sneaked away out of the bottom three, I think, didn't they? Uh, unless they pop back in now, because, of course, Forrest won. And then we've got our last two games, Aston Villa at home. Uh, which is important to get them at home as well because they're doing really well on doing I am reality. Count Dracula's performing wonders there, isn't he? Um, and uh, and then our last game, of course, is away at either they will have been relegated by then Southampton or they're still fighting for something. So there's your there's our six: Tottenham, Fulham, Brentford, Leicester, Aston Villa, and Southampton. You know they're games that you'd normally look at and go and what, but of course Liverpool's form has been so sketchy. Um, of late, that there could be a, a, a potential banana skin in them. Then we've got Newcastle, 59 points. Their last six games are Everton. Uh, one of them ones where that's like a fight between Hitler and Thatcher, isn't it? Like a, in the street, you're not really sure who you want to win that one. Um, <laughs> so you've got Everton, uh, you've got Southampton. I mean, these are all, interestingly, Everton have got Southampton, Leeds, Sorry, Newcastle have got a lot down the bottom as well. They've got Everton, Southampton, Arsenal, big game. Unless Arsenal have decided that it's gone by then. Um, then they've got Leeds and then Brighton and Leicester. It's, I tell you what, all the bottom three, bottom four teams have got big clubs to face, haven't they? It's a very interesting one. And then you've got Man United, 59 points. They've got Tottenham, Villa, Brighton, West Ham, Wolves and Bournemouth. Um they're the only ones really to worry about. I don't think Villa are going to worry. Villa have got Man United, Wolves, Tottenham, Liverpool and Brighton. So they've got a tough one. Tottenham have got Man United, Liverpool, Palace, Aston Villa, Brentford and Leeds. It is, an, it is a long shot, Ed. And I'll ask both of you before we go. It is a long shot. But there's one thing we know about Liverpool, as I said before. Long shots are very much um, in their wheel, aren't they? They're very much in their wheelhouse. They know how to do it. They know how to do it. They seem to be picking up that late form. Liverpool always tend to end... Uh, season's quite strong. They don't. The only problem is that City do as well. That's that's been our problem in the past. Can you see any possibility, mate? If Newcastle slip up, or we've got that terrible transition into we don't really want to play any other European football. But it is the only cup he hasn't won Europa. So, do you think we can do it? Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. It's an interesting one, isn't it? When you look at the table, I. I look at United having, what, they're six points ahead of us and they've got two games in hand. It just makes me feel like, you know, even though they've not been that that good this season, I think Ten Hag's got everybody a bit full, to be honest. They, they've been there for the taking, which is partly what's so frustrating about how poor we'd, we've been, you know. If we could have kept a, 
a Jota or a Luis Diaz fit all season. I think we'd have walked into the top four, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I don't, I don't think personally. It, it I mean, it could, it could happen, couldn't it? But I personally, I'm struggling to see. It. I, I, I've been written off in terms of a Champions League qualification for for a little while now, and I think. Then when you look at look at the games we've got remaining, it's it's a weird one really because barring Leicester and Southampton, they're sort of playing teams that are in, in and around or have been in and around us in the table all season, which isn't actually where we've struggled. Going off this season, we're going to beat Spurs, beat Fulham, beat Brentford, beat Villa, and then lose to Leicester, lose to Southampton because for some reason we just cannot beat a team that is more than about five places below us this year, and that's just that's just the way it's gone. So. Spurs is the one that you should be looking at and worrying, but the state of them at the moment, I, I, I can't see us going there. Sorry, not going there. Them coming to Anfield and getting anything out of us, if I'm honest. You know, Spurs at the best of time, I, I'd struggle to back against us when we're playing them. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not it's not the, the most difficult run of games we've got. I think the most valuable thing, in my opinion, Liverpool can do now is, is lose to Leicester, lose to Southampton, and hopefully Everton go down. Well, we don't mention them, do you, whoever they are? They'll be playing next to them in the new stadium soon. Um, <laughs> the thing is, Rich, you know, funny things can happen, mate, can't it? And if we can keep up momentum, there is nothing worse than looking over your shoulder uh, and seeing a club like Liverpool sneaking up there. They are sneaking up. We've got momentum. We've just got nine out of nine points there. We've got, we're, we're on a roll. We can do Tottenham, of course. Many would argue the league slipped through our fingers. When Tottenham came to Anfield last season with that 2-2 draw and the Allison gift, really, wasn't it? He's such a such an incredible player for us. And we're so gifted and so blessed to have him in the goal. But he does every now and again have a little bit of a Norman Wisdom moment, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> and boy, did he have one that night. Um, so if we can get Tottenham out the out the way, mate, uh, Newcastle will be looking over the shoulder, Rich, won't he? Yeah, strange things do happen. But I, I do think it would be extremely strange if Liverpool do make it into the top four, to be honest with you. And the reason for that is is not so much because I think the teams above them are sufficiently better or, or, or anything like that. I, I'd expect um, Newcastle and United both to drop points more than once before the end of the season. But what it is, we've won three games on the bounce and that's the first time we've done that all season. And, and in doing that, yeah, we battered a, a diabolical lead side, but we, we've beaten Southampton deservedly, but we've beaten them by one goal. We've beaten West Ham deservedly, but we've beaten them by one goal and they had a bit of a shout for a penalty that on another day could have been given. Um, and then we wouldn't have won that game if it had. So fine margins... We've, uh, the, although we've had some big wins at certain points, what I don't feel like we're choking off wins with some level of comfort. Um, it's going to be uh, heart and mouth stuff till to, to, to the end, I think, by the looks of things. Um, and, I, 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 you know, we, we've got to be perfect, haven't we, between now and the end of the season. So what do we need? We need six straight wins. So that would be nine wins in, in total on this current run. Um there's no evidence to suggest they'll actually do that. But, you know, as we saw when Alison Becker scored a header against West Brom, things can happen. You can get momentum. Um, but my, my expectations were revised a while ago. And I, I would love to say, oh, yeah, 
strap yourself in. It's going to be a wild ride. But if if it is, I didn't see it coming, if I'm honest. I was just about to say, if I would have said to you last season, um, we would only have qualified for Champions League if, if our goalkeeper, or the season before when it was, uh, if our goalkeeper rose for the last second header against West Brom to win the game and to, to, to get us fourth place, you'd have been thinking I'd have been out one of your dance pills. But, uh, <laughs> they're not mine, Richard, and I just say they're not mine. They're, 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 they, 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 were, they could have been past the Todd's DJ console. <laughs> I think we should take things one step at a time. And the main step is there seems to be a, a, a more steadied ship. Let's just say that doesn't end. Liverpool seems to be playing uh, with a little bit more tempo, a little bit more confidence, because I think a lot of it was down to confidence. I think I think it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what your weekly wage is, you get, you get nervous. It is a human reaction to, 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 to stress and to situations around you that money doesn't buy, unfortunately. So it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire footballer who drives a Ferrari and you've got a, a pet tiger. Um, you still get nervous when things aren't going your way. And I think a lot of Liverpool's problems this year have been very, very self-orchestrated uh, through through just, just bottling it, you know. All right, listen, before we go, so we're back on keel. We're back on an even keel for the time being. And let's hope we can push forward. Let's have a... A quick, you must have had a right laugh last week with your Leeds mates as well, by the way, Ed, when we absolutely slaughtered them. Well, let's have a uh, prediction for Spurs on Sunday, my friend. I'm saying 4-1 Liverpool. I, th I think we'll hammer them. I really do. Mm, that's nice. <laughs> They'll have to hire another temporary manager and then sack him after that. Uh, Rich? Yeah, I had to check who that uh, Ryan Mason's um, right-hand man was just to see who was going to be up next, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, um, yeah, I, I think... When, when a manager is removed, there's always the fear, isn't there, of a new manager bounce. But um, they've gone down this bizarre route of uh, recruiting from within a failing management team, which I just find bizarre, and that, and that gives me confidence. So uh, I do think we can build on it. I think we will score a few goals, uh, and I'll go with 3-1. Yeah, I fancy a 3-1. I was going to say that beforehand. We are still in that thing, aren't we? We're as, as desperate as we are for Liverpool to win. We also have that feeling that they're going to concede at some point. So I will go for the 3-1. Well, probably the Spurs' kit man in charge by then. But um, I will go for the 3-1 as well. Boys, Richie, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, good to see you and the bristling beard one more time. Cheers, Fetty. It was a pleasure. And it's you look so much different when you haven't got your top off and you're sweating and blowing a whistle. I tell you, it's so much different. <laughs> that's <laughs> it, mate. You know what I mean? I can, you know, I can't, can't hack it anymore, to be nah, fair. Nah, leave, leave that to Ed and his crew. Yeah, absolutely, man. Leave that to the youngsters. All right, Ed, listen, good to speak to you as well, my friend, and uh, see you on the next one, hopefully after a, a couple more victories and six more points down the line. Um, thanks very much, Ed. Yep, cheers for having me. Cheers, but at any time, my friend. Okay, that is it for another uh, Poetry Emotion for me, Neil Fitz, uh, Richie Garnett and uh, uh, Edward, uh, Edward K. I'll give you their, their uh, Twitter handles anyway. It's at Garnster just in case you've got any venues you want to bring them into. And, uh, 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 uh. Um, it's, that, by the way, this is all nonsense. He's a very, very clean-cut young man. Got a Bible under his arm all the time. I think it's a Bible, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's the New Testament. It's the New Testament. And uh, EPK Journo is for uh, Edward K as well. No nasty stuff, please. Only supportive stuff. <laughs> Don't like that on here. Uh, the Reds uh, go marching on, thankfully. A little bit of momentum. And let's see if we can push it into the last six games of the season and try and get whatever's up there off for offer. 
we'll be uh, we'll be there or thereabouts. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you again. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.